Welcome to the podcast of the preaching ministry of LifePoint Church, led by Pastor Lane Harrison. We pray this ministry is a blessing for your life. For more information about LifePoint, please visit lifepointozark.com. For more information and resources from Pastor Lane, please visit mlaneharrison.com. Titus chapter 2. I want us to look today at motherhood. Motherhood, the glory of God's love as female. The glory of God's love as female. You know, we live in a day where we must fight for biblical definition of words and understanding those words from a biblical perspective because the evil one is active and human philosophies and ideologies abound to confuse, to convolute, and to redefine gender and their roles. I never thought that preaching on a topic like this would be one of the most divisive, potentially divisive topics in the pastorate. I just never conceived of that when I got into ministry. But I need to begin by saying this, that gender is not a sociological, it's not a psychological, nor a generational construct. It is a gift from God It is given in creation for his glory by the unique expression of his image. Where do we draw that from? Genesis chapter 1 verse 27 records, So God created man in his own image. That word man there is the universal uh, masculine recognition of all people. Okay, And he goes on to say, In the image of God he created him. Again, another reference to the universal reference of people. Then it says, male and female, he created them. There's a distinction in that last phrase of the genders in which God created both in his image. Now, to begin with, before we get to the role of motherhood, to begin with, what do we draw from this? This is the foundation where we understand that both men and women, male and female, are equally and distinctively created in God's image, which determines value, worth, and dignity that are equal. There is no hierarchy in that, okay? So we need to set that forth from the beginning. And what we talk about in roles is not a matter of questioning dignity or worth or value. It is a matter of articulating distinction in uniquenesses in the way God created. So when God distinguishes male and female, there are distinctions between the two that we learn throughout the scriptures. And so today, we celebrate motherhood by considering what God's word teaches about his great gift through his image and the love expressed of his image in the female. A mother's love is unique and distinct to her femaleness. It is a love that endears itself to bear with and nurture for the benefit of another. We know this well, we often, well, probably don't often joke, but because you can cross the line on that, right? But we do 
hear occasionally, well, that's something only a mother could love, right? And what are we saying? Well, let's just stop there. There's too much, the hole's too big for me to fall into if I continue that line of thought. But you know by your giggles what I'm talking about. God designed mother as a living expression of his image as female for nurturing love. And so what I want us to see this morning is that God ordained mothers to provide nurturing love that demonstrates his love in the gospel. They provide nurturing love that demonstrates his love in the gospel. So let's go to Titus chapter 2. I'm going to read verses 1 through 5. We could read the entire chapter, which is the true context of our verse for today. But I'll just read the first five due to time. Paul is writing to Titus, the pastor here. And it says, but as for you, teach what accords with sound doctrine. Older men are to be sober-minded, dignified, self-controlled, sound in faith, in love, and in steadfastness. Older women, likewise, are to be reverent in behavior, not slanderers or slaves to much wine. They are to teach what is good, and so train the young women to love their husbands and children, to be self-controlled, pure, working at home, kind, and submissive to their own husbands, that the word of God may not be reviled. Let's stop there. May God bless the reading, the hearing, the understanding, and the obeying of his word today. I want to begin with an essential observation from the text, and it is simply this. It may seem like a foregone conclusion, but it shouldn't be overlooked. Motherhood is a sound doctrine. And what Paul is exhorting Titus to teach and to make sure it gets taught in the church is not only that sound doctrine, what we typically think of as biblical doctrine, the teachings of Scripture, that they get taught through younger women to older women, but the very idea of them teaching and what their role is in teaching, that it actually gets taught as sound doctrine. You see, this is why of what we know the Bible to teach about mother. It's not just simply because of the way we feel towards mothers in our life and the love that we have for them, but because God has given mother for his purposes. Mother was God's idea, was God's design, and God's good gift in creation, not the world's. God gets to decide and has given to us what it means not the world. You see, motherhood's not just another holiday. It's not another construct to define or to design any way we see fit, nor is it an idol to hallow or worship. But rather, it is an integral part of God's family that serves to fulfill a unique role within the family. And what we know about mothers is not something that is given to us in isolation, but it is an emphasis on the role that God designed to fulfill his good purpose among people. Now, I'll say this again in a moment, but 
I want to emphasize to you what I mean when I say God's good purpose. I don't mean good just in a generic description that we might be quick to place on things. Oh, that was good. You know, it was a good meal or that was a good conversation or things like that. No, I mean in the biblical sense of good that God intended for us in creation when he created everything that is. When God looked at creation, he said what? That's good. That's good. And so good is a biblical determination that means it is God-honoring, God-directed in its intent. And specifically here, God, that it is good in its role for the purpose for which God intended it. God designed motherhood to be kingdom work that must be centered in, fueled by, and for training in the gospel. And what does Titus do? But he helps us, uh, the book of Titus, Paul helps us understand the role of motherhood through the priority of relationship. This really gives us the uh, unpacking of that distinctiveness, that uniqueness that the female gender brings to this role as mother. And this is appropriate as mother leads the family in strong life relationships. The priority of relationship we draw from the text when it says this in in verse 4. The end of verse 3 says, They are to teach what is good, older women to younger women, and so train the young women to love their husbands and children. It's the first thing he says that they are to teach and to train the younger women in. You see, mother is defined by God as the priority of a relationship and orientation to others. And what Paul is highlighting when he addresses the responsibility of older women for young women is to say, hey, this is good. You you won't just hear that anywhere and everywhere in the world today. It might be okay, but just okay is not good enough, right? Maybe you've heard that. This orientation that he is drawing from and drawing out to explain, it prioritizes relationships and it gives us the context within which we understand the role of motherhood. And it also establishes the order of relationship, husband and children. This too is a biblical priority, friends. For there's no amount of success in motherhood when it is used to overwhelm marriage or to substitute for. There's no amount of success that can make up for any neglect in the role of wife. But it is always a significant and serious and present temptation for substitution. Listen, friends, motherhood is the relationship that speaks deeply to the soul of and expresses the created design of woman. God's image created as female. It may seem odd that Paul would command older women to train younger women and how to love their husbands and kids, right? Like, do you really need to be trained in that? Don't answer that. But consider that of all the things that create the greatest and the deepest joy, and if we're honest, frustration for a woman or her relationships with husband and children. Scripture establishes this truth in its opening verses of creation and the curse of sin. When when God curses sin to Eve, he tells her 
that there will be two distinct manifestations of that. It will be the angst between her and her husband and the pain with her and her child in childbearing. This is not insignificant for us. Mother is, the, is first and foremost a role of high sacrifice. And there's two realities that make this true. Number one, buckle your seatbelt if you need to. There are times when men and kids are not easy to love. Ladies, it's okay for you to amen that statement. You want me to repeat it? I'll happy to repeat it. There are times, I mean, this isn't necessarily true of me, but there are times when men and kids are not easy to love. But listen to me, the second part of this that makes mother a high role of, sac- a role of high sacrifice. I- I'm not saying this about you just to put it on you. I want you to understand that. But listen to me and then I'll qualify it. There are also times when women have too lofty a view of their manner of love. And here's what I mean by that. I'm not rebuking you for that. I'm warning you that if you put too high of an expectation on your love for your family, an expectation that only Christ can hold, it will crush you. And many women try to bear under the weight of both wife and mother a a perfection in the manifestation of their love that Scripture does not require. Motherhood ought to come with a warning sign. Teaching and training required, right? And why do I say that? Because... Almost every young mother that I have ever encountered seems to have some kind of built-in, innate presupposition and foregone conclusion that when they become a mother, it will just naturally be done perfectly. And so when they encounter something they have no idea how to deal with, they feel like they're inept in some way and that they're in. Uh, uh, unqualified or this I, I don't know what's wrong with me you know well nothing could be further from the truth nothing's wrong with you why the warning sign teaching and training required that's why the weight of mothering love easily compounds upon a woman as she endears to bear the burden for her family Let's just make clear what this really is all about. It is about bearing a weight that she gladly takes on to endear for her family. Young moms, they get giddy about becoming a mother only to get blindsided by the weight and the demand of responsibility. This kid needs everything from me, (laughs) right? It's not to say they don't want to be a mom. That's not what they're saying. They're just saying it's hard. It's heavy. It's demanding. And, and only to say that, that the, the weight of the burden and the sacrifice demanded becomes overwhelming at times. And, and I will not say we understand it, we as in men, but, but we accept it. And that's what we ought to do. You know, a woman that is consumed with herself will find no pleasure in saying no to herself so that she can say yes to the family. And the opposite of that is true. A woman that only says yes to the family and never says yes to herself will be crushed by that same weight. 
This is the nature of the goal, friends. What, what, what a woman will find in mothering is this, that the gospel is never more sufficient and powerful than when a mother deeply embraces it to live out of it in her role as mother. And so moms, I want to encourage you today, before you teach the gospel to your kids, before you learn and practice the gospel with your husband, you must believe it for yourself. You must believe it for yourself. Because before you loved others by bearing their burdens, Jesus loved you in this way. Jesus is your burden bearer. And motherhood demands great sacrifice, but it never means you must be a savior. And graciously, and, and, and with no joking at all, I say to you, the greatest danger of a mother's love in the very nature and the way that it is manifested and expressed, the greatest temptation is for you to believe that you have to become a savior. And you do not, you cannot, you must not. Well, the nurturing love of mother prioritizes the gospel in five relationships. And that's what I want us to spend the remainder of our time looking at. Five relationships that Paul points out here in Titus verses 4 and 5 of chapter 2. The first relationship is what I would call the relationship to self. He says, teach them to be self-controlled, pure. You see, motherhood demands great self-control, and it is that self-control that enables to pursue what is right and what is holy against the raging demands of the world, against the raging uh, deceptions of our sinful nature that, that markets one lie after the other to our hearts and minds. And, and might I just say self-control and pure, self-control is also what enables a mother to harness the power when that fits being thrown on the floor in that store and otherwise. There, there's no small amount of self-control needed for mother. But this is where it begins. Understanding who you are and what this has called you to. And godly self-discipline rests in beauty that God defines as purity. Purity. When a woman believes the lies that the world and sin tell her, her kids move from a blessing from God to become the root of all of her problems. And so often this doesn't show itself up first outwardly, but rather inwardly. Those inclinations of the heart and mind. You, you begin to believe, you know, if, if you weren't so demanding, if you didn't need me so much, and, and that, that is a temptation and a test that must be fought against. Godly motherhood begins with the woman who is learning to live. And I say it that way because I want you to think a process, not a point of arrival. Like you'll be a mother when you get there. No, motherhood itself is a process. Learning to live a self-controlled and pure life under God. That way you get to keep your mind when everything in life is trying to take your sanity. Mom, never forget, first, you are a child of God. That's who you are. That's who you are. And Jesus is your strength and he is your rock. The roles of wife and mom will always drain you. Don't feel guilty when you're drained by it. They will always do that. 
And they will lead you to be deceived by lies and to live in sin's curse if you don't rest first in Jesus. What he's done for you, what he's doing in you at all times. You must continually learn and glean from your relationship with Jesus to live out this beauty of purity and be self-disciplined as a wife and a mom. Never letting mom become the test of your performance nor the measure of your worth or value. That's the first relationship to self. The second relationship is the relationship to home. Paul says, teach them to be self-controlled, pure, working at home. What does he mean here? Well, mom, the priority of your work at home does not begin with kids. It does not begin with your husband. It begins with God. Why? Because of the way God created you as female, because of what God intended for you. I'm not talking about housekeeping here. I'm talking about homemaking. I'm talking about a role that God distinctively created and designed you for. And when he established the family unit as the central unit of society, he created you female in such a way with gifts and with strengths and with I'll use the word intelligences as we're using uh, in this day and time here in a moment to bring to the home something that no one else can bring to it. That's what I'm talking about, the making of home. Proverbs 31 makes clear that the role of the mother is as a steward or manager of the home. No one else is designed to do in the home what God designed for you to do for the home. And listen, Too often today, it is interpreted as an imprisonment for mother. It is not imprisonment. It is the place where your design and your gifting flourish to nurture those in your loving care. There are a number of ways to do this. Please don't hear me saying that there's a very narrow way which this must be fulfilled. But the role that gets fulfilled is what I am addressing here, Whatever the world says that makes you believe in any way that homemaking or that your role in the home is a lesser calling, repent and reject any sinful understanding. God's word is not culturally conditioned so that it changes with culture, so that it changes with the chronological passing of time, and that we in some way are, if I can use the word, evolving so that we need it less and less. All evolution has proved, if you buy into it at any extent, is the greater our need is for God, not lesser. Moms, this is not a position for you to be resigned to, but it is one for which you were designed for, and it is the priority of a unique role in the home. Working at home. It's not that you cannot work anywhere else. It's that you must not give up what only you can do in the home. Home is the first environment of disciple-making. That's what Deuteronomy 6, 5 establishes, both in its place and its priority. You can't contract out the making of disciples of your family to the church. That's not the church's role. 
And one thing that we try to cast in our vision here is that we're partners in this. We want to encourage you. We want to support you. We want to help you. We want to resource you. But we cannot replace you ever. And we should not. Therefore, we will not. The home is that central garden for the gospel to grow so the family can live to bless others. And when God's word says he oriented you to work at home, it means that he designed you as female to uniquely nurture the growth of the gospel to impact the world through your home. So it's not just something you do in the home, but it's what you do in the home to impact the whole world. That's what he is saying here. Proverbs 31 also makes it clear that it is not wrong for a woman to work outside the home. If you read Proverbs 31 and you read what the godly woman is about doing, like it's everywhere. Her influence is not unknown anywhere. And that's what Paul is drawing from here to make application for to exhort us to work at home. It's not just a place that a mother can or should work. Rather, mother must make sure that home gets her first priority. In other words, he says, don't be lazy at home and energetic everywhere else because no one else can do what what God designed only you to do in the home. And so home should be understood as a mother's foundation for her work, not the confinement of it. The place where it all begins, the place where it makes the biggest impact for the whole world. That's the important thing. Allow me to clarify, and I want to say something graciously here, but I need to say it because it's important. And in our day and time, an ever-increasing temptation, it is not wrong nor sinful for a mother to work outside the home, as I just stated, but... It is sinful for a mother, and I'll say this in a few weeks when I speak to fathers, it's sinful for them too, to celebrate or to cherish their career more highly than their calling from God. And I think so often this is where we go awry. This is where we find a greater sense of worth and value because we have a larger number of people telling us in the world, you do so good, you bring so much value, you bring so much bottom line to this organization. And when we go home, all you hear is, why didn't you do this for me? What are you doing next for me? And why couldn't you have done what you did last for me better? (laughs) Ever heard anything like that? Right? It's a temptation, friends. You're calling from God. It it doesn't mean you can't have a career. It does mean you shouldn't hold it more highly in your heart than your responsibility for the home. When you talk about prioritizing the home, think in this way. Think uh, the mix of energy, your heart's desire, and your resources more than just simply the hours of time that you give to it. Surely that's part of the calculation, but it's not the sum total of it. The real questions that moms must wrestle with, and I would argue moms with dads together must wrestle with, is a question of motivation. In your own heart of hearts, do you believe your worth and your identity are determined by the size of your salary earning potential or your gospel influence potential? You need to ask, do you believe your worth and your identity are determined more by the standard of living that you can make 
of the quality of godliness in a person you can shape. I'm not just talking again about time. I'm talking about priority here. Where you give your first energies to. And this isn't something I can determine for you. You, you've got to look at your life. You've got to look at the sum total of it. And before God, you and God have got to come to determination about this. And you and your husband and God have got to work through these things. But I tell you, it is true of every person in the room, man and woman alike, that we have this gaping temptation that is ever present before us to believe that the value we bring to people has more to do with what we can provide outside the home than it is within the home. And I'll tell you, that's the first deception that Satan wants the husband and the wife to believe in the home, the father and the mother to believe for the home. Because if he can destroy the home, he will destroy the people in that home and many other people through that home. That's the very world we're living in today. That's why we must be ever on our knees before the Lord considering these questions. Mom, where you're tempted to resent your role as mother because of any stigma, that should always serve as a fever that alerts you to a dangerous infection in your heart. That there is the presence of a deceptive and a false ideology that the world is putting on you and it is influencing you. Be careful in this relationship of working at home. The third relationship is with others. Verse five, he says, not only working at home, but kind, kind. Kind requires others to be present and expressed. I mean, if it didn't, I'd be considered the kindest person in the world. But the people who know me, well, let's just stop there. Kind relationship with others when God created woman he crafted in an intuition of what I'll call relational intelligence relational intelligence guys are going what you think I don't have relational intelligence yes that's exactly what I'm saying like you see it in little kids they sit around the dinner table or the breakfast table and the little girl goes daddy why did you wear that today who are you talking to today where are you going and what are you going to do and the little boy says can I have more? Now, now, I have to qualify everything, don't I? I feel like I do. That doesn't mean every person is equal in their expression of this, okay? But the way that it is a propensity here, we see an intuition of relational intelligence that makes mom best equipped to teach kindness and properly relating to others the family needs mom's relational intuition because kindness is a powerful force that is woefully lacking in the world today and kindness is a most potent gospel influence the bible tells us it is the kindness of god that leads us to repentance Mothers model how we speak the gospel by her demonstration of kindness towards others Proverbs 31, 26 says, she opens her mouth with wisdom and the teaching of kindness is on her tongue. That's what happens in the grocery store line. When that two or three year old says something about the person in front of them and you go, there needs to be a lesson on kindness right here, right now, 
right? The fourth relationship is the relationship in marriage. The relationship in marriage. And submissive to their own husbands. Mothers model a life lesson for their children in the way she relates to authority. Again, this couldn't be more appropriate in the world we live in today because we have a gross vacuum of respect for authority in every realm and manner. That's nothing new though. Sin itself is a rejection of authority. And mother models on a daily moment-by-moment basis this lesson. You see, the way that mom submits to Jesus through her husband trains the kids in how to submit to God. Why? Because mom submits to Christ through dad, not to dad, for dad, or because of dad. And children need a model. They, They need a model for how a person learns to live under authority on earth because their natural bent is, I don't want to. Children need to learn to model or need a model to learn that marriage comes first before them. Billy and Susie need to understand that they aren't the first priority in the house. Not for dad or for mom. It doesn't mean they don't get any priority. But that marriage comes first. Friends, I I say this in a day and time when family has become an idol of sorts. And in the church, we're not remiss from this idolatry. Do not forsake your marriage for your kids. Or when they move out at 43, 44, because that's how long they'll stay if you prioritize them, there won't be a marriage. And if you do prioritize your kids over your marriage, you'll condemn your marriage and you'll confuse your kids. You'll confuse your kids to do the same thing. Children need a model to learn what kind of person to look for in a spouse. You see, the perfect model, absolutely not. But one that looks to Jesus, that repents, and that practices the gospel. You see, submission is a way of learning to relate, not one of inferiority to endure ridicule. That's our problem with that word. Well, we hate the word submission, don't we? It's not about inferiority. It's about learning to relate. And the mother who gladly submits to Christ through her husband is filled with the strength and the joy of God's presence in her life through it. The fifth relationship is the relationship of making disciples. He says to train the younger women. That's what he tells the older women, train the younger women. And then he says finally that the word of God may not be reviled. That the word of God may not be reviled. Mom, the gospel is your strength. The gospel is your wisdom for you and for your family. And the best way to remember the gospel is to be actively teaching and training in it. You see, Timothy's faith, Paul wrote, came from his mother and his grandmother. And when his mother was teaching, his grandmother was coaching and encouraging 
I have no doubt sometimes that his mother was saying to his grandmother, I'll handle this one. I don't need any more coaching or encouragement. Thank you very much. But nonetheless, there's a way that these things work. And this is by God's design. Moms need an encourager. And maybe this is the greatest word moms need to hear, especially new and young moms, that that motherly instinct that you feel the pressure to have perfected from the very beginning, it is something that is refined and forged by the teaching and training of those who've been mom. You see, in the value and the performance of our roles, both husbands and wives, both men and women, both fathers and mothers, we don't look to others and compare our own job by them. We can learn from them, but just like in our sin and justification and salvation, we don't, we, God doesn't look at us and go, well, you're better than him, but you're not as good as him. Uh, you're lesser than her, but you're ahead of her. That's now not how God measures us. He measures us against his word. So teach them not to revile the word because some worldly ideology has seeped its way in. You don't have to be perfect ever. And you're not going to be perfect from the beginning. And allow yourself to be taught and trained in these. Mothers, mothers need help. I'm saying this as a biblical teaching, not as a personal observation. They'll not be stopped by any barrier to provide for their child, but they're often the last to admit it for themselves. Mothers asking for help for their mothering are tantamount to men stopping and asking for directions when they're driving. It doesn't happen. The word mother has no part of its definition that includes perfect. None. None. It's okay that you mess up, that you fail, that you make mistakes, that you don't f remember everything, that, that, that whatever you do in the home is not done per It's okay, mom. It's okay. Your family's not ruined by your imperfections. Your family's ruined when you try to cover them up and act as if they're not present. Your family gets ruined when you don't confess them to, their fam uh, to your family and confess them to God and look to Jesus for your strength. That's what ruins a family. Giving the appearance of I'm okay only feeds the pretense of life and thwarts your growth and thwarts the growth under, of those under your influence. You see, God designed motherhood to be a means of making disciple for the children, for the husband, for younger women, and listen to me, for mom. For mom. I've said it before that I learned pastoring by listening to and watching my father. Like that's where I learned the ins and outs and the, the, the things of pastoring. But I'm a pastor today for two reasons, because God called me to be a pastor and because I have this little voice in the back of my head that says, Lane, you're going to be a preacher. You know whose voice that is? It's my mother's. She also says other things to me, but you don't have time for the list of things that I keep hearing. Mom, home is the first place of disciple making. Listen to me, this is important. Where you are made as a disciple by that which you are making. 
It is a process. One that God calls us to. One that demands faith in Christ. One that demands we remember the gospel. You can do so many of the tasks on your own, but you shouldn't try to do any of them. Absent of faith in Christ. Open your life to others that will teach and train you regarding the issues of motherhood. A young mom will never feel more inadequate, unprepared, or overburdened than when she tries to face the challenges of nurturing alone. And isolation not only makes motherhood more different or difficult, it's counter-gospel. You need a godly woman who will come alongside, who will draw out your best, who will encourage you, who will counsel, yea, even rebuke you if you need it, and someone that you will listen to when you get it. Don't just pray for it, pursue it. God ordained mothers to provide nurturing love that demonstrates his love in the gospel. And friends, the gospel of God's grace in Jesus Christ is fully sufficient for all things motherhood. Let's thank God for mothers today. Let's honor our mothers in such a way that brings honor and glory to God. But let's not put such a weight on mother any other day of the year that makes her think that who she is is measured by the perfection of her performance, but rather the person that God created her to be. Let's pray.